celebrity Let your weary mind be free As someone kind of famous who you can't see It's time for sleeping with celebrity Hello, sleepyheads. Welcome to Sleeping with Celebrities. I'm John Moe. I'm glad you're here. On this audio program, we invite our guests to step out of the limelight and step into the nightlight. On this show, for one bedtime, we don't ask our guests to bring their A-game, but rather their Z-game. It's a podcast where you can sleep, you can relax, you can take a break from the stress and intensity. Just ahead, we'll be sleeping with comedians Jason and Randy Sklar. They're going to talk with us about football and the sports that college students play. But what the transfer portal, what Randy's hinting at is it's really hard to keep talented third string guys and even some second string guys around, men and women, because they say, look, I, I think I deserve to be starting somewhere. I'm going to go to a school where I can play. Before all that, I invite you to settle in and get comfortable while I tell you about another show on the Maximum Fun Network. Sleepyheads, I want to tell you about another podcast here on the Maximum Fun Network, where we have the maximum amount of fun that is permissible. This is a program that is quite different from sleeping with celebrities in subject matter. It's not about Betty Bye. It's about fighting. Tights and Fights is a wrestling podcast. Whether you're a lifelong fan who spent summers suplexing your siblings into pools, or you just know that this is what The Rock did before he became president of the United States, everyone is welcome at Tights and Fights. Every week, hosts Hal Lublin, Danielle Radford, and Lindsay Kelk break down the best of wrestling as only they can, with a lot of love, but no toxic masculinity. Even though wrestling doesn't have the best reputation for, well, much of anything really, the hosts always try to make their show the place where women, LGBTQ friends, and people of color know that this art form is for them. Tights and Fights shows are every Saturday on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. And now our guests. Tonight we'll be sleeping with comedians Jason and Randy Sklar. They emerged into this world at roughly the same time as both one another and Francis Ford Coppola's Godfather Part Two. Still, it would be decades before they followed in Al or Marlin's footsteps themselves to the silver screen, but they did. And today you can see them on screens of various sizes, computer, large, small. Sometimes they'll appear on television programs like What We Do in the Shadows, or covering violent sports, as with UFC's The Nose Bleeds, or talking sports, as they do on their podcast, View from the Cheap Seats. Jason and Randy, hello. How are you? How are you doing, John? I'm well. I'm rested and ready. I'm not, I'm not rested, and so this will be perfect. I can't tell you the amount of times I have used podcasts to help me fall asleep. So this is a very useful tool. And I hope the depth of our voices will help you who are listening go to sleep. I think you're ready to return the favor so many have paid to you. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. I like to start with a question or two about sleep. And something I always want to know is what was the best night of sleep that you've had in your life. Mm. But forgive me for asking, will your answers be the same since no. you are twins? No. All right. <laughs> Definitely not. Well, let's start alphabetically. Jason, what's the best night of sleep that you've had? Wow. Well, I have, I have a 14-year-old and I have a 9-year-old, so it's been at least a decade and a half since I've had a really good night's sleep. Um, 
God, it would have to probably be, you know, we're comedians and when we go on the road and do comedy, usually we'll get there on a Thursday and then Friday morning early we'll have press to do to promote our shows to in whatever town we're in. Friday night late we do shows and then Saturday morning we get to sleep in. Mm. And there was a Saturday morning in Raleigh, North Carolina. We had just shot a pilot <clears throat> for a travel channel TV show about creating comedy in the towns that we go to. And we had two more shows that Saturday night. We had done two on Friday night. And I just remember waking up, looking at the clock early at 6 a.m. and realizing that I still had hours to sleep and nothing to do. When I reopened my eyes again, it was 10.30. And I felt like, like I had achieved something important in my life. So I went to bed at about midnight, slept till 10.30. It's one of the best nights sleep I've ever had in my life. And Randy, what about your best night? I'm going to go all the way back to my honeymoon that I took with my wife in 2001 in Bali. And uh, we were staying at a very nice hotel. We sort of shot the wad, so to speak, in terms of money. And uh, we, I just remember sleeping so long on such a comfortable bed that we both had to remind ourselves that there were things to do that day. We, we, we got to get up and do, we're in a nice place with interesting things. We shouldn't sleep the entire day away. Mm. But I just remember being sort of glued to the bed where that feeling of like your eyes are open, but just your body is like, do not get up yet. And that was, I was tremendously rested and I was a younger person who didn't have to pee 27 times in the middle of the night. So I know I had a nice long sleep. When you to sleep, do you sleep in the similar position as you were in the womb? Well, we're never sleeping in the same bed. So okay. that, that doesn't happen anymore. Except for recently when we were in Switzerland oh, yeah. on a hike with friend with a friend of ours, a bunch of friends. We did a hike around Mount Blanc, which was gorgeous. And when we were there, we shared a room and we had to share a bed in a in a small kind of youth hostel type place. And uh I don't think I slept. That was the worst night's sleep. The mm. worst night's sleep ever. We did okay. it once. 51 years ago, and I think as we came out of the womb, we both said, never again. Never never again unless we reach Switzerland. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I know that you're both very interested in when college students play games. Mm -hmm. um, what is on your mind lately? What is fascinating you the most about college student game playing? So we both went to the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. My daughter just got in there, so the cycle continues. But we've been fans, you know, huge fans of Michigan sports, and therefore it's our window into college sports. So it's a, a doorway into understanding the trends and how things, the landscape is changing in college sports. And, you know, I would think we've seen some of the biggest changes in decades happen in the last three or four years or two or three years really um and two factors contribute to that one is called nil name image and likeness players being able to finally above board be paid for their name image and likeness and that gets split into two separate categories a sort of pay for play scenario where recruits out of high school are given large sums of money to go to a university and play without having ever played a down of football a minute of basketball a without ever, ever had stepped on a college balance beam or whatever they get a certain amount of money just to come there and then there's the other more interesting thing which is nil which you get paid for your name, image, and likeness, which Jay can explain, you know, the ways and the various ways in which athletes can accrue money and then why that's interesting because there's interesting little pockets of how that can keep guys and, and women longer in college. Jay, you can explain. Yeah, so players, it used to be 
that uh, college players um, weren't able to do commercials. They weren't able to, you know, use their fame when they were famous players, certainly in their states, uh, for their own benefit. Now that is done. If, you know, certain organizations or certain businesses want to pay players to advertise for them, it can happen, including national brands. That's number one. Number two, at a lot of these schools, there are booster collectives that are raising money to keep students at school. What does that mean? Well, students are faced with a decision at the end of every year after they're in football, after their junior, after their junior season, they're faced with a decision. Actually, it's after their sophomore season. For football? Okay. Yeah. So I thought it was junior, but for junior or sophomore year, and in basketball, it can be even after freshman year, they are faced with a decision. Do I come back to college or do I try my hand at going into the professional ranks and making money? Well, in the past, it was a simple decision because in college, you made no money. And in the pros, it was an immediate opportunity to make money, even if you weren't necessarily like say in basketball making the nba but you were making the developmental g league you still received a contract well what nil has done and an influx of money to these students is that it's offering them an opportunity to stay in college and perhaps even make more than if they were in the initial rookie contracts or in the g league And what it's doing is it's, you know, you're seeing players stick around for three and four years now. If their draft prospects aren't that high, college is fun. We, there's no doubt when we were college Mm -hmm. students, we didn't want to leave. I remember saying to our parents the second we were leaving college, um, well, it's all downhill from here. Little Mm -hmm. did we know that wouldn't start until we were in our fifties, but right now, uh, you know, we, we've been on a good ride this, these last 30 years. So what does this mean for for me as a as a consumer? Can I purchase bobblehead dolls of yes. players? Yeah, you uh, can, through different collectives, you can purchase, you know, autographed jerseys, autographed memorabilia from certain places that sell it, that then the money goes back to those students. The money goes to the students. And it goes back to the students. You can also, um, there are some collectives that almost work like a Kickstarter. Um, There was a one more year fund that was created at the University of Michigan to try to get a few players back on the team to stay for their senior year. And they raised a bunch of money and students came back. The other thing that some schools are starting to do with their collectives is to say everyone who plays on the team will receive a baseline salary. So if you sign up to go to the school, you're gonna make $50,000 this year, 40,000. This is on top of their scholarships. And you know, for some students and people who you know are living at the poverty line, below the poverty line, their families are struggling, that amount of money is enough to perhaps keep them in school for one more year. And you know, certainly if it's a lot more than that, then it can be life-changing money for them. And then you're seeing some students who would have left maybe after their sophomore year, after their junior year, staying all four years and graduating. And so they get their degrees. That's positive. And fans of certain players and teams get a chance to see a player all four years. You know, back in the 1980s, in the Big East, I'm going to use that as an example for basketball. That's a collection of schools. I'll name the schools in the Big East. It was UConn, Georgetown, St. John's University, Villanova. So a lot of Northeastern schools. And typically, I know you're going to talk about the basketball. There was a period of time when Georgetown and St. John's, the Patrick Ewing years of Georgetown, and Chris Mullen of St. John's, the coaches were really big personalities, John Thompson at, at Georgetown and Lou Carnesecca at, at uh, St. John's and Raleigh Massimino at Villanova. These were guys whose their reputations and their personalities were almost larger than the game itself, certainly large as large as the players. Uh, that guys stayed for three, for four years at that time. Nick's had a wonderful pro career, even Hall though, of Fame career. Hall of Fame career, even though he never won an NBA title, he came in as a freshman at seven feet, two inches tall and was dominant. And 
you know, back in the 80s, it was exciting to be a Georgetown fan because you said to yourself, okay, we've got this guy for the next four years and we're going to have someone to celebrate and, and we're going to have a great team for four years. Well, in the, in the subsequent decades leading up to only a couple of years ago, if you had a big guy who was dominant, you were lucky to have him for one year or two years. Of course. You gave him a professional. That's right. So what changed. player currently playing has uh, the most merchandise or the best merchandise available in his or her likeness? That's a great question. Um, you know, there's a quarterback for the University of Michigan. His name is J.J. McCarthy. And he, J.J. McCarthy, just signed a ton of memorabilia and it sold through a store in in Michigan in Ann Arbor called the M Den. You are able to purchase anything of his. I mean, I wish he would sign the pen that he signed everything with. Then you're literally signing the thing. It's almost like an MC Escher painting, the hand drawing It'd be the an hand amazing book. pen. It would be an amazing pen. Um, Unbelievable. No, but I think pen. there there are players, I mean there are stories of a my a quarterback a recruit to come to Miami to who was offered $9 million to come play in Miami. To be a college student, that can buy a lot of beer. It can buy a lot of beer. It can make a lot of friends immediately. I mean, here's an example, too. I mean, money is being thrown around. It's almost like, you know, Silicon Valley, the wild, wild west to the beginning of the Internet. I mean, there was a football player who was the number one rated quarterback in his class as a recruit, number one rated player, Quinn Ewers. They give ratings to players as recruits, and usually it's on a it's on a one thousand level scale. So most five star recruits, that's the highest level recruits, are like 0 0.98, 0 0.97, 0 0.99. This guy was a 1.00, 1,000. He had the highest rating ever. He was, he was recruited, I say drafted, but he was recruited by Ohio State, Quinn Ewers. He was given $1 million. And Jason, can you spell Ewers? E-W-E-R-S, Ewers. Quinn Ewers, he never played a down at Ohio State. Got a million dollars from Ohio State, then transferred, and this might actually even be a good sort of transition for us to talk about the transfer portal, which is also very much transforming college sports. He then transferred to the University of Texas and now plays for Texas. And he's okay. He's not the best thing in the world. But it kind of goes to show you that, like, if you offer a lot of money and it doesn't work out, guys can leave. And they can try to go get more money. Somewhere else. Somewhere else. Oh, yeah. Let me ask you this about the University of Michigan. Uh, the, the mascot of the University of Michigan is the Wolverine. Mm -hmm. Is there merchandise available of J.J. McCarthy where he's a sort of half-human, half-wolverine hybrid, possibly available as a stuffed animal? I mean, I think they should, and I would call it, you, you understand that there are half-man, half-horse. Is that a minotaur? I believe that's what it's it is. It's a centaur. Centaur. What is a minotaur? Half-man, half... Half-bull. Bull. Yeah. I would say if there was a J.J. McCarthy half J.J. McCarthy half Wolverine, I would yeah. call that a winitar because he is a winner. Do you think that the University of Michigan, being a large research university, is there a department that could breed a Wolverine that had characteristics of a favorite football player? Sleepyheads, I wish to tell you about another podcast that you can hear at Maximum Fun, where we have the maximum amount of fun. The podcast I wish to tell you about is named Dr. Game Show. It's a family-friendly, interactive podcast where listeners submit games and the hosts play those games with callers from around the globe. It's hosted by Joe Firestone, who you may recognize from Shrill or Joe Para Talks With You, and also hosted by Manolo Moreno. New episodes every other Wednesday here on Maximum Fun. Come for the games, stay for the chaos.
Do you think that the University of Michigan, being a large research university, is there a department that could breed a Wolverine that had characteristics of a favorite football player? So it's interesting that you bring that up because Michigan State, which is located in East Lansing, Michigan, the capital of the state of Michigan, and a bitter rival to the University of Michigan, the Michigan State Spartans, yes, they have a very large agricultural uh they have a very large agricultural department i would expect them to breed things you know in addition to gardens and stuff to breed animals that more so than michigan they have sort of the land to be able to do that and so yes while michigan phenomenal research university would maybe be able to develop the medicine that could help a sick wolverine Uh, I don't know if they have the land space necessarily, the sheer acreage to breed wolverines. The way now, I've been watching a ton of the show Life Below Zero, which follows several people up in Alaska. And what I've learned from watching that show, and I've watched, I'm going to say, seventeen and a half seasons of this show. Mm. The wolverine is one of the most tenacious animals out there. You have to do a lot to catch and trap a wolverine. And they w- if you don't put your captured meat, your caribou meat, what have you, high up in a cache and take the ladder down because they'll climb a ladder, the you're in trouble of losing. The wolverine would be able to get that meat. As if the two of you were somehow placed in charge of merchandising mm-hmm. for the NCAA uh, to come up with merch ideas for some of the more notable players in college football, what were some ideas you would have? Jason. You got to say iPhone cases. That's way up there. Beer cozies because, you know, and is it cozy or cozy, Rand? I, I, I would say I say cozy. And you say coast. And if we're talking about great Boston Celtic point guard legend, it's Bob Cozy or Bob Cousy? Bob Cousy. Now, I, my wife, one of my favorite meals that we make is a baked potato bar, sort of make your own baked potato. And I've often toyed with the idea of, you know, those things are very hot, creating a potato koozie that you just hold so you actually can hold the potato and you cut it open from the top so the potato koozie and i understand that jason calls it a potato cozy again i say potato koozie jason says potato cozy potato cozy yeah jason how do you like to eat potatoes so i make in my house um two things and and it you know, there is a sense of in, inspired by the Native Americans. Um, we try to use every part of the potato. Um, so what I will do is I will bake a potato. I will scoop out the center of it, save the center in a separate bowl. Do you mash that up? Or I will mash that up, reheat with butter, then mm-hmm. add horse creamy horseradish. That's to great. Yeah. So it's a creamy horseradish mashed potato. Meanwhile, I'm taking the, you know, cut out husk of the baked potato, placing it in an oven with loads of cheese on each one. Also frying up bacon, which I will then mm-hmm. chop up very finely. I make potato skins. And I have you that alongside mashed potatoes with a, either you can do wasabi or a horseradish, creamy horseradish mashed potatoes alongside i would argue that jay's skins are more loaded than a piers morgan question in an interview Mm. are there would a player be able to sell bacon bits with their likeness carved into the bit so if i were absolutely and if i were talking about say a basketball player there's and again we'll go back to the university of michigan there's a freshman guard named doug mcdaniel and he has somewhat of a spicy game he's fast he can get to different spots on the court he's small i would consider doing doug mcdaniel's hot sauce Mm. because it is spicy you know and those are again i think people would buy the doug mcdaniel hot sauce and make it small like Doug McDaniel because good things and spicy things come in small packages. He packs 
a punch, so to speak. Okay. Have you brought uh, college athletes onto your program to pitch them ideas for merchandising? We've never done that, but I think we need to now hearing it out loud. Sometimes it's good to just hear the ideas out loud. But as Jay was transitioning and talking about the transfer portal, because we had mentioned that too, Yes. You know, your opportunities to make money and your opportunities to freely transfer. It used to be that in college sports, if you wanted to transfer from one school to another, if you made that transfer, you had to sit out an entire year. So it would take away a year of eligibility in your in your prime, which could sometimes. I don't know if that. Well, let me say this. I don't know that it would take away. It doesn't take away a year of eligibility make you postpone postpone a year Mm. and that could derail development in certain ways if you're taking that year off some kids were you know working out with certain coaches and whatnot but taking sociology classes maybe writing for the school newspaper yeah or you know exactly or or just reading a lot of these athletes just love love to to read and for recreational reading a lot of of jonathan franzen novels Jonathan Franzen, John Barth on the road, end of the road, sorry. Um, So so the transfer portal now is one where you can freely transfer and immediately play at the next, for whatever reason. There are no reasons given. If I would like to transfer to this, I play for the University of Pittsburgh, a fantastic wide receiver, played for the University of Pittsburgh, his quarterback, Kenny Pickett, who was one of the best quarterbacks, got drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the next year, he said, I'm not going to play with a freshman quarterback. So he said, I would like to go to uh, University of Southern California, USC. So he split for USC, which paid him a lot of money. But he was able to play right away at USC this past year. So the transfer the ability to freely move about what how that changes the landscape is that you know it changes the way students look at the pecking order or let's say the depth chart so to speak so if you're number two or three on the depth chart it used to be that you understood i have to wait my turn i have to work hard in practice and my time will come but for a lot of athletes they say i would like my time to be right now can you explain what the depth chart is? So at each, yes. Yeah, so at each position, there's. It's almost. I'll do an analogy to like an orchestra. It's first chair, second chair, third chair, and so at each position, you have the starter. That's in first position. You have the backup. That's in the second position, and then you have third string, fourth string. So if we use a position like quarterback, usually you should have a good backup. Because as we know, college football is it's a rough sport. There a lot of people get injured. You want to be ready in case usually at least once in every season a starting quarterback will go down. So you want to have a viable backup, and then you hope you can even have a viable backup for the backup. But what the transfer portal, what Randy's hinting at is it's really hard to keep talented third string guys and even some second string guys around, men and women, because they say, look, I I think I deserve to be starting somewhere. I'm going to go to a school where I can play. So what's happening also for the coaches, it is in addition to having to recruit high school seniors and juniors and sophomores and even some freshmen, the coaches are having to in turn re-recruit their own team at the end of every season and give players who are second string third string fourth string reasons to stay and i would i would add it also forces coaches to over recruit their teams to the point where they realize there will be some attrition you don't know where it's coming from but there will be your your 10th offensive lineman on the depth chart who may be good enough to start at let's say not a power five conference like you know, the Big Ten or the Big 12 or the Pac-12 or the SEC, but we're talking about like the Mid-Atlantic Conference or the... Or perhaps Brandeis Brandeis University. Brandeis University, I believe, you know, they run deep on their Quidditch teams. 
So, you know. Yeah. What What is the portal? I can't imagine it's an actual physical location. I mean, part of me wishes it was an actual portal, portal like in Stranger Things, like in the Upside Down, like you go through. Stargate. Stargate. You know, I had a question, John, and maybe you can clear this up for me. I Can you tell me the difference yeah. between Stargate, Seagate, and Farscape? Those were three shows that, in my opinion, did exactly the same thing. And if you told me that the same people acted on all of those shows, I would have no choice but to say yes. I believe that the gates were mm-hmm. manufactured Got by it. the same company, but uh, with licensing, they were they were labeled something else, much like when surplus potatoes and were surplus, sold. as Jay would say, potato cozies were sold. Correct. Surplus. surplus. Yeah. So the yeah. portal is not an actual thing. It is just a I'm throwing my name into a figurative hat. Or I'm saying, and what would happen is, and the way it works is a player is disgruntled for whatever reason, not getting enough playing time, not seeing movement up on the depth chart, believes that he can, or if she, if we're talking about college basketball or whatnot, feels like, or softball, feels like that person could start somewhere else. They will put their name in the transfer portal and then... Which, it, by putting your name in the transfer portal, you are essentially announcing to all other college teams in your sport, you are available to be, quote-unquote, recruited by them. Mm. Now, in in the you know five, six years ago, there wasn't a big transfer portal. There wasn't a lot. There weren't a lot of names. Now, there are hundreds thousands. of names. Thousands. Thousands of names in the transfer portal. And they and there's a ranking system now, the same way that I explained earlier that they rank recruits, where they rank the players in the transfer portal. And for example, we'll use Michigan as an example this year. Michigan did an okay job recruiting the high school players. Part of the reason why is they didn't have their NIL in order and they weren't quite up to speed. Name, but, image, and likeness. Name, in, image, and likeness. But however, they did really well in the transfer portal. They got three or four, maybe even five, five players who will be immediate impact players. Why? Because they're a little bit more of a known commodity. These players have performed at the college level. We know what they're capable of. They have some experience and immediately they can step in and hopefully replicate what they were able to do at other schools. But there's a little bit more of a known quantity with these transfer portal players. And these transfer portal players kind of understand, okay, we understand the college game. I'm going to the University of Michigan, not necessarily to just get a big payday right away, but because it's going to put me on a bigger stage, it's going to give me a chance to perform better so that I my draft stock rises and that my professional career down the road, which is more of a long play will help me and my... And if I might add, John, before you ask a question, that the yeah. the difficulty with that for schools like a University of Michigan is that, you know, when you're talking about graduating, which some kids actually do care about this, athletes, sometimes a higher level school, if you're transferring from somewhere else, a higher level school will not accept all of the credits academic institution, a tougher academic that won't accept all the credits. And so you might be a junior level status at Central Florida University, and I'm not ragging on Central Florida University, but you might be at that level. But if you try to transfer to a Stanford, they may not accept all of the credits that you've taken there. You might only show up at Stanford and have, or Michigan and have a freshman year level of credits that are accepted which is difficult which makes the transfer actually more difficult yes and then you and then you'd have to sign up for particular classes you might need to meet with an academic curriculum are we accepting these things you then maybe go back into the transcript i'm not sure how many of these kids took advanced placement classes which is a whole other level right of, of how they did on the AP tests. So then, in terms of uh, in terms of Michigan, uh, which you both attended, is that and and the stand up comedy industry that you're mm-hmm. currently in, 
is Michigan like a, a Caroline's or or the Improv, as opposed to a smaller school being the, the Chuckle <laughs> Hut in great, Tulsa? That's a or good something? analogy, John. Um, Michigan, yes. Yeah, so the question is, do your credits transfer, so to speak? If you're killing it at the yes. Chuckle Hut or Doctor Grins, which is an actual place in Grand Rapids. Does that mean you can step on stage at the Comedy Cellar in in New York City and perform toe-to-toe with the best of the best of people who are performing there? Your David Tells, your Sam Marills, your you know, uh, Mark Normans, these people who are performing, doing great stuff currently. I don't know. Maybe you can. There's a chance, but there's also a chance that what was working in a certain room out in the hinterlands may not be of the standard when you put it shoulder to shoulder with the other. Yes. So I would say that uh, at times Michigan can be like that comedy cellar or in Los Angeles, when you talk about comedy clubs that are at the very top, the comedy store, I would put that in that category. Hmm. I have found a list on the internet um, from the year Hmm. 2010 which has the top 10 worst comedy club names in America. And I would like to read Please. these to you, and you can tell me mm-hmm. whether you've performed at these places. Well, number 10 is from Grand Dr. Rapids, Grins. Michigan. have Dr. not Dr. performed Grins. there. Performed there yeah. We are aware of it. I put that in, put that in the same okay. category as the old, the old Spaghetti Factory. You know, people, mm. don't all, people aren't often they, laughing when they're at the doctor's. And so to call it like right. a year like the, the old spaghetti so. factory, I keep thinking of Upton Sinclair's The Jungle. I'm like, am I going to rub my ear off while I'm waiting for my table? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Well, your garlic bread, yeah, right. Is there is there a college equivalent to Doctor Grins? I mean, would Ohio, be, I Ohio State, State University, University? Would it be Lehigh I know, University, I would say Liber- Liberty. Liberty University. I, Liberty. By the way, All Dr. Right. Grins, I heard, is actually not, it's not that, it's actually a good club. I think, can good I club. guess another name that's going to be on there and you tell me where it's on there? And this is actually apparently a really good club. Uh, Go Bananas yes. in Cincinnati. Is that on the list? That is not on the list. The list is 13 years old. It does feature uh, at number nine in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Comedy Dogs, spelled D-A-W-G-S. Have you played at Comedy Dogs? No, but didn't our friend Erin Foley, who's a, she's a fantastic comedian, she played at Comedy Dogs. Okay. And, Mixed uh, she, Nuts in Los Angeles? I've never played at Mixed Nuts, but our parents often would, when they'd have couples coming over to play bridge, they often played bridge at our house. So would, they offered Mixed Nuts. There were lots of lots of bowls of mixed nuts so just I, around. And I will say this, Trader Joe's, if I may, um, is sneaking a lot of candy into their mixed nut. Like mm-hmm. I had a trail mix that was about 80% tiny chocolate things. And I'm not against that. No, not at all. Do you have an easy time parking in the parking lot at Trader Joe's? No. What was our joke, Rand? Didn't we have a joke about something being more stressful than the park? Than the parking lot at Trader Joe's. I mean, any any grocery store parking lot that has to hire a person to direct traffic in the parking lot mm. seems to me that the spaces are either too small or well. So, just, but is that a function? And this is my question. Is that an example of Trader Joe's wanting other people to think it's so busy that they're so busy, like at a really, you know, a club where they make the bouncer has the line get really long outside. And then you walk into the club if you've been waiting in line and no one's in there. there. Are you trying to make it seem like we're more popular than we are? That's my question. Mm, Right. Manufactured scarcity. Yes. Uh, um, The riot act in Washington, D.C., did that open up on January sixth? Maybe it might have been. Might have been. Um, this one is. This one seems reasonable to me. The Funny Farm in Atlanta. We never played the Funny Farm. We did do the punchline 
and I remember going to the punchline and it was it had been around since the early eighties and it was mm. all wood. And, then, oh. and, and there said, were tons of papers everywhere. Like it was the most, it looked like we had walked into a hoarder's house upstairs in the office. Or a studio 54 right before they got raided. And we said, if this is a fire hazard, like waiting to happen. And then it did burn. I mean, mm. it's crazy. And they should listen to us. That makes sense. Uh, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, there is or was a club named Snickers, spelled with a Z at the end. <laughs> this Snickers does not satisfy you. No, it didn't satisfy. In Baltimore, Magoobie's Joke House. Magoobie's Joke House. I've never. I would. It is Baltimore. I would put a hun at the end of that. Yeah. Yeah. Rapid City, South Dakota, had at least at one point the brew ha ha. You could get a beer mm-hmm. and watch comedy. Sure. I, I like that. I actually I mean, like I, that. I, I actually like that name. All right. Laugh In at the in Fort Myers, Florida. I've never been to Laugh In, but isn't there one like a pirate's name down in, in some island down there? I Like Pirate Jim's. I can't, I can't even remember, but you'll continue down on this list. Well, we're, we're to the end of the list. Rooster T. Feathers in Sunnyvale, Sunnyvale. California. We've never been there, but we know people who have, have played there. I, that, you know, harkens back to a fantastic sketch on Mr. Show, the or not Mr. Show, the Ben Stiller Show, T.J. O'Pooter Toots, which was a, you know, kind of like a TGI Fridays. Rooster yeah. T. Feathers, I put in the, we've got a, have a name and an initial i'm gonna assume that at rooster tea feathers there is a rooster head on the wall wearing sunglasses also maybe a random french horn yeah or or possibly a rhino with sunglasses nearby smoking smoking um let me ask you this sklar brothers if college athletics now lives in a world where uh, the the young people are paid for their labor mm-hmm. and own their own names and likenesses and are free to move about from school to school, mm-hmm. much like all other college students are able to do. Will this destroy college sports or make things finally good and fair in the world? So the hope is that it was going to level the playing field somewhat. I think it has. In a weird way, I think it will. If you're asking if it will make it better or worse, I think it absolutely makes it better. Because we'll give an analogy. You know, there were three or four teams at the top of college football that would get all of the top level recruits. You know, there were maybe 25 five star football recruits every cycle, and then another 100 four star recruits. and you know, 200 three-star recruits and so on and so on. And there were usually like four or five schools, University of Alabama, University of Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State. Those schools, all, you know, Notre Dame, some, Michigan a little bit, but not as much. Florida, Florida, Florida State. But those like five or six schools would get all the top five-star athletes. And, and football. It would be as if. In football, right. For football. It would be as if. You know, in the NFL draft, if we just gave the L.A. Rams and the San Francisco 49ers and the Las Vegas Raiders, if we gave them the first 27 picks and told the rest of the teams to try to be as good as them, impossible. But now and, and, the, and the, the reason that would no one would ever unseat them because they would have all the talent. You see why Alabama and Nick Saban has won. I don't know, 14 national championships in the last 20 years. It's it's insane, and it's almost like a monopoly. Whereas there's a great saying, it's not about, in college football, the X's and the O's. It's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. So it's about who you have on your roster. And yes, you're able sometimes to coach up some lower-level players or find some players who were rated lower than they should have been diamonds in the rough people who, who could develop and just didn't have the, the time to develop, but under your program, you can coach them up, but it was much harder for other schools to break into that top four or five. Well, with NIL, with the transfer portal, with opportunities all over the country for, to level the playing field. Oh, by the way, part of the reason why 
a lot of these these top three or four schools were getting all these players a lot of times was that they were paying players uh, under the table under the table so ironically as soon as nil came along they all had this infrastructure immediately in place because they had been doing it illegally for years so all they did was shine a light on what they had already been doing and you know they were dropping mcdonald's bags worth of cash off at people's houses which is untraceable or poker chips from a local casino down in mississippi were just showing up at a recruit's uncle's house on the doorstep, which could easily over time be cashed in and no one would ever know if you did it over time. So th that was already happening. The infrastructure to do that was in place. And so those schools were doing really well. However, what Jay's saying is correct in that like it is opening it up a little bit more. You know, the other thing that opens it up to me is, and this is the last kind of change is that, you know, there was a college football playoff of just four teams. And what Jay was saying is that the same four teams were making it into this college football playoff year after year after year. And if you're not a fan of those teams, it's very difficult to say, oh, these guys again, they're about to expand the college football playoff to 12 teams, which means that there will probably be 16 or 17 or 18 teams throughout the season that think they have a shot to get into the college football playoffs. Now, it may still be the same four that land there at the end, but anything's possible. Anybody can be beaten on any given day, and there's an opportunity to potentially have, if there are injuries and whatnot, the playing field gets even leveled even more, especially if it's to a significant player. So now you have the opportunity to say, hey, why don't you transfer to Texas? Why don't you transfer to Oklahoma? Why don't you, and these are perennial powers too, but why don't you transfer to Cincinnati? We have a good shot of making the, the, uh, the playoff and then you could be a playoff player playing on a giant stage. Randy, I, I need to remind you that people are trying to sleep here. I don't know why your energy is so high, Rand. It's insane. I apologize. I need to dial back just a little. I'm if, sorry. If I want to invest in college basketball player merchandise and I want to buy low so that I may sell high later, who sh whose material should I buy if I want the investment to pay off? Great. Great call, Jay. Who do you, Are who you do you think about which players player themselves? Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. Because I'm giving them my money if I buy a, a bobblehead or a human Wolverine hybrid of this person. I mean, unfortunately, we're the most well versed in University of Michigan players, so I can mm. I'll use a player that Randy brought up before. There's, All right. There's a kid named Doug McDaniel who plays for Michigan. He was supposed to be the third string point guard for Michigan point guard being the most important uh, player I would argue on a on a basketball team and certainly in college basketball the teams with the best point guards usually go the furthest in the end the quarterback of the, of the basketball, basketball team. correct sets the offense plays go through that person and they basically score but they distribute to other players to help them score so he was a considered two things about him. One, he's relatively short to play on Division One college basketball. He's about 5'10", 5'11". Mm. Um, that's an issue because you have players who are point guards in college basketball who are 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", even. Usually they're about 6'2". So he's already four or, four or five inches shorter than most of the players. The other thing is they thought this year would be a developmental year because they had another player who was in line to be their new point guard. Well, that player went into the transfer portal the transfer portal he left and he went to arizona state where he now starts they went and got a player from princeton from the transfer portal that player got injured right away so now this kid who was supposed to be we talked about depth charts he was supposed to be third on the team well before you know it he was second and before you know it he became the point guard was he ready at the beginning of the season absolutely not was he making mistakes Absolutely. However, we have watched him over the course of this season grow up before our very eyes, and now he's starting to play like we had hoped and like a lot of people thought he had in, in his potential, and he's starting to really maximize his potential. And because he's so small, the reason why I say this is a good investment for you, John Moe, because he's so small, 
He doesn't have the measurables, which means he's not going to jump to the NBA next year. There is a real possibility that Doug McDaniel, who is getting unbelievable experience, who is developing before our very eyes, could be at Michigan for four full years. Mm. You have a real opportunity to get money back on that investment for four years. Doug McDaniel, tiny hot sauce, tiny hot flakes. We've talked a little bit about different ways of preparing potatoes. If Doug McDaniel was a way of preparing potatoes, what sort of potato dish would he be? Mini skins. Mini skins. Definitely like loaded. If, you were, if you've ever like scooped out and done potato skins on like fingerling potatoes, amazing. Mm. That's what I would eat. Be a fingerling potato skin with cheese, hot sauce, and bacon. And as the March Madness uh, tournament approaches, as we record this, uh, where does Michigan stand? What do you think Michigan's chances are uh, during the big tournament? Jay, go go ahead, Jay. I will tell you. So right now, Michigan is what is known as on the bubble. Mm. 64 teams make it actually 68 Four are in a play-in. There are four teams in two play-in games to try and get into. Two of those teams will make it in. So is it 66, really, Rand? I think it's 66. It's 66. So 66 teams have a chance to make it into the tournament. Right now, Michigan is considered the the last four, the first four out. So they they're like at ranked 72nd. So they need to they need to do a little work. They have a game. Today, when we're recording this, they have another game this weekend. Then there's the conference tournaments. Most people say Michigan has to get to 19 wins if they're going to even make the NCAA tournament. Right now, they are 17 and 12. They are squarely on the bubble. Hmm. The exciting thing right now, as we've in the context of all the things we've talked to you about, as you're probably and hopefully asleep right now, but if you're still awake and you're drowsy, we're going to tell you that right now, when you do wake up, we highly recommend you watch the NCAA tournament this year because, because of the transfer portal, because of name, image, and likeness, there is now more parity in college sports and specifically college basketball than there has ever been. What does that mean? That means at the beginning of the tournament, a 16th seed, that is the lowest seed in each bracket, has a real opportunity to beat a number one seed. That means that there will be tons of upsets, exciting games, small schools, schools that have, you know, like Loyola of Chicago that has 103-year-old sister sister Jean, you know, Mm -hmm. rooting for them in the stands. It has teams that have mascots you've never heard of, teams from South Dakota, teams from Idaho. There are real opportunities for unknown kids, unknown teams to make a splash in this tournament. Because... A lot, as we were saying before, a lot of those schools like your Pacific University or your, you know, uh, Chaminade. Chaminade is a great example. Wofford is another fantastic example of a a Belmont. Those schools, which typically win their small conferences, get it, punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament. They may have guys on their team that are 23 years old. 24 years old, lots of kids who are graduate students who are playing in their fifth years and they've been in the program for a long time. There may be great shooters. Their system is good. They have a good point guard. And as a result, I would take their experience, their ability to play together in a setting where they're playing against kids who maybe just made a lot of money in college based on their high school you know, highlight real. And now they're thrust in this situation. And so I think you're going to see a lot of upsets. It will be really exciting. All right. Given the unpredictability that you've described with the NCAA tournament, uh, what about the odds makers and the betting companies? How will they adapt? They're going to have a hard time. The odds makers will really have a hard time because, you know, you can sort of say this team should win this game but again like we've said you can't account for experience or how well a team plays together i think the odds makers are going to have to look at the strengths of each team is this team a great three-point shooting team versus this team being bad at closing out 
in stopping the three? What's the strength of this team's defense? They're going to have to do a much better job of pitting. It's it's no longer we're going to just select Duke to win all the way through because the Duke players might not be great at, like we said, their interior defense might be bad. Well, there might be a, a player on a smaller team that is maybe considered one of the best centers in the entire game where they have two big men that are really good and it's just a bad matchup. So you're going to start to look at literally individual matchups, what teams do well, and the odds makers are going to have to go a lot deeper than they normally go. Do you agree, Jay? I 100% agree. And I think, again, matchups matchups make the games. And in the NCAA tournament, part of the reason why it's so exciting is it's single elimination. One and done. One and done. Any, single elimination. And then I'll add this to it as well. When people, when fans buy tickets to see game NCAA tournament games, you buy a ticket for the whole day. So let's say your game's at 8 p.m. that night. And the team you're rooting for is 8 p.m. But there are three, two more games happening in the in that arena that day well all the fans who are there for other games are always going to be rooting for the underdog so the underdog teams why do they want to root for the underdog well they hope that the underdog team advances because if there's a chance for your team to face a blue blood team or an underdog you'd rather face the underdog Mm -hmm. and the other thing is it's more fun to watch an upset everybody is pre-programmed to want to watch an upset so in the early rounds there's a lot of, you know, the crowd is on their side. There's momentum in their corner. There's John Moe in their corner. And there's sure. an opportunity for them to to really pull off some great upsets. It's a very, unlike right now where you're hopefully in your most relaxed state of mind, the NCAA tournament first two rounds this year are going to be super exciting. My wagering is on Doug McDaniel hot sauce. There you go. Let's go. Let's do it. Jason and Randy Sklar, thank you for sleeping with us, and good night. Good night. Good night. Well, sleepyheads, I hope you enjoyed learning about the intricacies of college athletics just as much as I did. Something I like to do at the end of my day is make a mental catalog of things that I experienced and or learned that day. So if you don't mind, I'm going to make a list of some of these takeaways from my conversation with the Sklar brothers right now, while it's fresh in my mind. One, it's not a great time to be an odds maker in the world of college sports. Two, if you want to invest in player merchandise, put your money on J.J. McCarthy. He's a great player at the University of Michigan who plays sports and you can buy his merchandise at the den which is located in Ann Arbor Michigan three don't ask the University of Michigan to breed human Wolverine hybrids they're not interested in progress like that Four, a depth chart of players does not measure how deep those players are in terms of thinking. Five, thanks to the new rules of college sports, college athletes will now have a lot more money to spend on beer, money they made over the table now instead of under the table like before. And six, there's room enough in this world for people who say beer koozie and beer cozy. Okay, I'm going to turn in. Thank you for sleeping with me and the Sklar Brothers. Be sure to follow Sleeping With Celebrities on both Twitter and TikTok using the handle sleepwithcelebs. On Instagram, the handle is at sleepwcelebs. Our email is sleepwithcelebs at maximumfun.org. Music is provided by the Winterbowers. This show was senior produced and edited by Laura Swisher. Swish. And Sleeping with Celebrities is a production of Maximum Fun and Papa Chick. I'm John Moe. Night night.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.